What's going on guys? My name is Elden Hero and welcome to episode 1 of a brand new mini-series. This is going to be a series where I review each and every episode of the Netflix original show 13 Reasons Why. This show is based on a novel from 2007 and it definitely touches some really really sensitive themes i've read that it's sort of a controversial show for its portrayal of suicide if you don't know what it is basically we learn that a student called hannah baker who i think she's supposed to be 17 in the show uh, she has committed suicide and this show is the 13 reasons why she committed said suicide it's sort of an unraveling of what leads to a person's suicide and what breaks a person's mental state down However, it doesn't really seem like it does exactly that to me, and I will explain why. I have only watched one episode so far, so I'm going to hold off on what I actually think about the premise of the show itself, and I'm just going to give a more overall review of the episode. But I think that by episode two, um, if some of my concerns are not dealt with or not paid off in some way um, I'm probably gonna have a lot more negative things to say I'm not too sure but if you guys have seen this show then I hope that you enjoy listening to my perspective of it and if you haven't seen it you should check it out and we can all watch it at the same pace because as it stands I'm only one episode in I decided to review it just because I felt like I'd have a lot to say about it so this is episode one naturally I don't know how long each and every episode is going to be um, I suspect that some will be a lot longer than others some will be pretty short and straight to the point I, I, I don't really know it kind of depends on the type of show that it turns out to be but yeah, if you haven't seen it and you have Netflix, like check it out and uh, give it a watch and check out my review after each episode and see if you agree or disagree with me because I think that that could be a really fun thing to do and I'm always trying to make more interactive content because obviously I'm no longer a FIFA channel but I did recently upload a review of the movie Nerve which was actually longer than the movie itself um, and it did pretty well in terms of views it didn't do as well as what a FIFA series would, but it did a lot better than I thought it would. So I'm thinking there might be something in this in the future. Uh, maybe I could review things that are more on time because this show is obviously, uh, it's run its course and I think everyone has probably said every possible thing that there is to be said about it, but hopefully you just haven't heard any of that happening. So um, we will get into the review and I guess what I would just ask you to do is leave a like if this is the kind of content that excites you because ideally there's going to be 13 episodes of this series and um, I, I guess I would like for people to listen to it all so we'll see how this one goes if there's not that much interest in it I can't see myself continuing with it on YouTube um, but I probably will finish it off for uh, the iTunes and SoundCloud crowd. So whatever platform you're on, leave a like or leave some kind of interaction with the video, please, because that's the only way I can possibly know that you're out there and listening. Obviously, this is something that's a little bit different in the sense that this will be the first audio series I've ever done by myself. Uh, the Midnight Hour and every uh, bonus episode and like sub genre of episode that's sprawled out of the midnight hour always features me and another guest so this is the first thing I'm doing by myself and the reason for that is I have more control over what I do with myself like I can record whenever I want whereas when I want to make an episode with someone I have to go around their schedule as much as I do my own so yeah with all that out of the way 
if this works out, it will be more fun for me and more content for you. So that would be uh, the best for everybody. Going to get into the review now. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, you can check out the like relevant links in the description that will take you to Midnight Hour merch. It'll take you to the subreddit and various other things. Anyway, into the review. The show starts out with a somber shot of Hannah's old locker, which is decked out with messages of condolences from the modern generation, hashtag never forget, and I'll miss my Snapchat friend are among them. The shot of the locker is through the eyes of Clay Jensen, a sad loner kid who seemingly misses his friend. He sees a vision of Hannah waving to him, which then disappears before Justin, who appears in a strange guise in this scene tells Clay that he isn't as innocent as she says he is. When we're properly introduced to Tyler later on in the episode, we learn that he's more of a cliched moron jock who does cliched moron jock stuff. Like, he's rolling around wrestling with his friend in the path of a large flow of garden sprinklers, making an idiot out of himself in the name of impressing a girl. He then takes his top off, and from this scene, it's immediately obvious to anyone who's ever seen any movie or TV show set in an American high school that this guy is very popular, probably the captain of the football team, probably not very intelligent, and gets everywhere he gets through his sporting ability, and that's just reading between the lines. To get from that place that I just described to where he is in this scene where he meets Clay in the hallway, you get the impression that he'd have to have had experienced some serious trauma. From here it seems as though he may have been closer to Hannah than even Clay was, but it's not really clear to us yet why we're seeing the world through Clay's eyes, like this somber teenage high school thing. We don't know if... Clay's eyes are the only eyes that we're going to even observe this world through. Like, it's very possible that episode two is going to be a different reason why through the eyes of a different character. The depressing reminders of Hannah's passing fill the first few scenes of this episode. Like, we're shown a classroom where the teacher is telling the kids who they can talk to if they need to get help. And we see Clay looking at Hannah's vacant chair before sinking into a daydream of her being alive in that chair. Before he's drawn back into reality by a teacher sternly calling his name. This is fairly typical stuff in the event of a death of a main character in a TV show or in a movie. We also see Hannah's parents inspecting her locker, presumably looking for any sacred items to remember her by, or maybe they're looking for clues as to why she may have killed herself. I will say, as the viewer up to this point, it is not clear why she killed herself, but it's implied that she also went through some trauma or, you know, she saw some shit. There are also some scenes from this sad atmospheric opening that seem like they have some significance, but don't actually seem to receive any payoff unless I wasn't paying enough attention. There's a brief confrontation between two guys who IMDB tells me are called Tyler Down and Bryce Walker, because this is a predominantly white middle-class high school, and those are the two most aggressively white middle-class names I have ever heard in my entire life. If you told me before I learned their names that the guys from the Chainsmokers are called Tyler Down and Bryce Walker, my response would be, 
Yeah, of course they are. I wouldn't even give it a second thought. When Clay leaves the school, he meets a girl named Courtney, who gives him a hug and says that Hannah's death doesn't make any sense, which we, the viewers, definitely can resonate with at this point. Um, she gives him a hug and seems to uh, console him. Like, I'm not sure if her angle here is to try and get with him or if it's to find out more about Hannah through him. Like, this scene doesn't seem to add up to me and... From what I can remember, we don't actually get any real payoff from it. Uh, then we meet a new character who asks Clay if he'd like a ride home. And this guy's name is Tony. And purely from a visual perspective, Tony appears to be a 31-year-old Latino man who should not be driving kids home from school or listening to cassettes. But sure enough, he puts on Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division and the car drives off to a nice aerial shot of the town. This scene seems oddly out of place to me. I don't want to like racially profile anyone, but I find it odd that a guy, like a Latino guy driving an American muscle car is a Joy Division fan. I, I don't know why that just doesn't add up in my head. But also the fact that he is a Joy Division fan and the first song on his Joy Division cassette is Love Will Tear Us Apart doesn't really make sense either. If you ask any Joy Division fan what their favorite Joy Division song is, they will scramble and name pretty much every single Joy Division song before they name Love Will Tear Us Apart because you're not a true fan if you like that song because that's their most popular song and uh, that's just the way that music fandom works. So um, it's it's kind of an odd scene, but they drive off to a nice aerial shot of the town or at least the street that they're driving by and uh, as the car drives past the cinema, we get our first glimpse of Hannah as an actual living character in the form of a flashback from Clay. It's Clay's first day working at the cinema. He's behind the counter and Hannah is sarcastically training him in on his job, explaining everything in a real serious manner, even though it's quite simple and and it's implied that absolutely anyone can do this type of work. She seems to have a kind of an older girl next door vibe or something. Like these are our first impressions of the character. And I can't quite explain what I mean. But it seems that she talks down to him. And even though it's sarcastic... It appears as though she's far ahead of him in the social hierarchy. Like, even though this scene takes place outside of the school, it's the most telling scene for how popular and confident Clay's character is. He makes some kind of Han Solo reference, and Hannah condescendingly encourages his nerd behavior, but it always seems like he will be under her thumb, and that she is always going to be the dominant one in, in their relationship. Like, And we know that they do have a relationship because the story has to take place through Clay's eyes for some reason or other. Briefly, I just want to mention how distorted the setting is so far in this show. Like, We have uh, 1970s, it appears to be a 1970s American muscle car. I don't know much about cars. Uh, 90s high school drama a la... Um, what was that thing called? Uh, 90210 or what was that Valley High thing? Anyway, you guys are probably too young to remember that. But it could be like it literally could be said at any time period in the last 30 years. Like it's a 90s drama in 2017 with props and surroundings that appear to be from the 1970s and 1980s. So it's kind of jarring and it takes some getting used to. Clay gets in the front door of his house after being dropped off by the shady character who is old enough to drive a vintage American muscle car and he sees that there's a package for him in the post and this seems odd because it's already been implied that Clay doesn't really have a whole lot of friends but the box is filled with cassette tapes. 
Clay eventually sources a boombox from his father, who appears to not give a single fuck about who he is. Like, Clay walks in, opens the door, starts talking to his dad. His dad doesn't even turn around to look at him. And it becomes really apparent that his dad absolutely doesn't care about him from this scene. Even though he does talk to him in a friendly way, it seems like he's more of a a best friend type guy than a dad guy. And this character is definitely one that you'll find littered throughout any kind of teen drama or anything like that. But anyway, um, his best friend dad ref- like tells him that back in the day we called him a boombox or a ghetto blaster or something like that. Clay eventually sources it. He plugs in uh, the tapes and the opening sequence of the show lines up with his reaction as we hear Hannah's voice f- as she announces her manifesto. Hey, it's Hannah. Hannah Baker. Don't adjust your whatever device you're hearing this on. It's me. Live and in stereo. No return engagements. No encore, and this time, absolutely no requests. Get a snack. Settle in. Because I'm about to tell you the story of my life. More specifically, why my life ended. And if you're listening to this tape... You're one of the reasons why. I'm not saying which tape brings you into the story, but fear not. If you receive this lovely little box, your name will pop up. I promise. The rules here are pretty simple. There are only two. Rule number one, you listen. Number two, you pass it on. Hopefully neither one will be easy. It's not supposed to be easy or I would have emailed you an mp3. When you're done listening to all 13 sides, because there are 13 sides to every story, rewind the tapes, put them back in the box, and pass them on to the next person. This is the entire premise of the show. It's Hannah's voice announcing that everyone who played a part in her suicide is about to hear exactly how and why everything unfolded the way it did. She has devised a complex system involving cassette tapes, maps, and she's even gone so far as to warn the listeners that they're being watched. I use the word manifesto because I honestly have a hard time wrapping my head around this principle. It seems kind of narcissistic and maybe even sprinkled with a pinch of sociopathy to go through this much effort to explain everything on her part. I'm not sure if it represents like a fundamental misunderstanding of clinical depression and suicide, or if the end game of this show is to reveal that Hannah is a schizophrenic or something like that, if she's suffering with some kind of disassociative disorder, or, or I'm not too sure, but I will explore these options as time goes on. I won't venture into conspiracy theories and I won't air my frustration with this premise just yet because it is the pilot episode and more often than not a pilot episode will refrain from bombarding you with information in favor of showing you the style and the characters of the show so I'm okay with that for now. As Clay is listening to the tape, his mother startles him by inquiring as to what he's doing with this archaic equipment. He tells her it's some history project, but in the panic it turns out that he's damaged the holy boombox. 
After that, he goes to Tony's house and just steals a Walkman from Tony's car uh, just so that he can continue listening to the tapes. But on his way home, he crashes his bike and hurts his head pretty badly. When he gets home to his house, his mother asks him about the bruise on his head. Um, it's it's not even a bruise. It's, it's like his head is cut open, like as if he's been dragged through a bunch of trees. Um, but he just lies and says it's nothing and that uh, he fell off his bike or something to that effect. I actually can't remember what he says, which is pretty bad on my part. Um, but it was at this moment that I realized Clay is basically such a loner in school because he's really unloved at home like it doesn't seem like his parents care about him at all they're just happy to let him go and do his own thing and even in the wake of his close friend's suicide they're not gonna push a culture of care or responsibility onto him and it's odd but I guess different people deal with things in different ways however the first instant of this guy's dad in the show is him not even looking at his son. He's working on something. His son is asking him a question. His dad won't even acknowledge that he's there beyond giving him a little bit of small talk. His mother even tells him, you know, I don't like to pry or, you know, I don't like to be overbearing or something to that effect. And it just doesn't seem like this guy is getting any attention whatsoever from his parents. Anyway, Clay sets out on another adventure, but not before we get a flashback to Hannah meeting him at the cinema before work. This coincides with him putting his helmet on, and in the flashback, I think he's taking his helmet off. She makes fun of his helmet, tells him his hair would look nicer if he used gel or product in it or whatever it is that she says. Again, I I think movies and shows about American high school have prepped me well enough to think that Clay is going to be shoved into a proverbial friend zone scenario here. And it seems like he's being prepped to be one of those lapdog sidekick characters who will do anything for the popular girl that he loves, but hasn't figured out yet that that will never be reciprocated. I may be wrong on that, but that's just what it seems like from here, even if it is this early on in the show. Hannah invites Clay to a party at her house later on and I actually think he even turns up to the house wearing the hair product in the exact style that Hannah motioned that she thought it would look nice in. Uh, But this night is where we meet Justin for the first time during the aforementioned wrestling in the water sprinkler scene with his friend and we learn here that Hannah likes him and that he likes Hannah and we learn it because they gaze at each other from across the hedge. And it's one of those scenes where it's obvious where it's going and that is like the level of depth to their relationship that we get. Hannah's friend Kat, who co-hosted the party with her, was originally the girl who had dibs on Justin, but it turns out that she moved away to another town and during a Skype session with Hannah, she told her that she can go out with him if she wants, that Hannah can go out with Justin if she wants. So Clay has a read of the map and using Hannah's guidelines, he travels to a park where he listens to the most crucial piece of information that we will hear from Hannah in this episode. And it's a story about Hannah and Justin sharing their first kiss in the in the exact park that Clay is in. It's a story that Hannah tells really poignantly and I don't have like any of the quotes in front of me but she alludes to the trees and the stars and all of these things that teenagers like to poetically mention when they're in love in movies or at least when they have a crush on someone as Hannah was sliding down the slide in the park with Justin Justin took a photograph of her which perhaps revealed more than it should and taken out of context it appeared to be an upskirt photo that Justin got as a sort of a, a goal 
Justin, being the moron jock character that he is, showed this photo to his friends in school. I think it was actually Bryce who he showed it to. And then Bryce was like, I'm going to distribute this to everyone in the school, yo. Um, And at this moment, it becomes clear that the first building block knocked out of the foundation of Hannah's mental stability was her social status and her reputation in school. Uh, from here, everyone believes that she put out on the first date with Justin. I don't know if I'm using the right terms, but this show has absolutely sucked me into a place where I will use Americanisms like high school and put out and uh, stuff like that. So apologies, but you know it's it's fitting. It's in it, it's within the style of the show. Um, she becomes known as the class slut and. Her dream romance with the jock moron Justin is over there and then. Her best friend has left town and everyone around her is shunning her because they believe the rumor that's going around about her. This is the first time in the episode that I felt any sympathy for Hannah. And to be really blunt, it's the first time in the episode that I felt anything at all. There is even a scene where Hannah tries to sit next to Clay and Clay won't even talk to her like it's lunchtime no one else wants to sit with her and clay uses his jealousy for justin as a stick with which to beat hannah even more and you can almost feel the weight on her shoulders increase as the scene ends and it does seem like it's really really bad and it's the first time that i start to believe her as a potentially suicidal character we then return to the park where Clay is sitting listening to the tape. And I didn't mention this, but there was a strange side plot of a car chasing Clay around while he was on his bike. I didn't mention it because I'm not sure what it was supposed to do, in all honesty. I don't know if it was meant to just instill this sudden sense of terror to the viewers, or like a belief that Clay is in danger somehow, or if it was to actually allude to the watchers who were making sure that Hannah's tapes were being listened to accordingly. But either way, it was so obviously Tony driving around in his Mustang (laughs) that it was leading up to this scene that I, I just didn't bother mentioning it because here we are, and ideally you've actually seen the episode when you're listening to this. So we learn in this scene that Tony knows that Clay took his Walkman and he doesn't care. He thinks it's fine because Tony then reveals himself to be the guy that's helping Hannah to distribute the tapes and he kind of mysteriously urges Clay to keep listening and telling him that all will make sense in due course. So my first impressions are that I do like where this is going, especially at the end. Um, I think just the last five to ten minutes really helped to sort of alleviate a lot of the initial negativity I was feeling around the whole show in general. It doesn't seem like... I. So I can't really shake the feeling of being like unsettled at the thought of a teenage girl going through the lengths that Hannah has gone through to explain her suicide and seemingly to point out the reasons why it happened and the role that each person played in it. Like it just, it doesn't seem like a natural conclusion to someone's pain or their hurt let alone their life. I haven't spoken about every single scene in depth in this review, but if you've seen the episode, you will remember there was a part where, after learning that Justin may well be interested in her, Hannah goes through some serious lengths 
to get in communication with this guy, even on a really basic level. Like, she finds out what class he's in, and she stands outside the classroom just so that she can bump into him. And I understand that this might seem like a minuscule thing, but in the context of someone who goes through the complex ordeal of creating this network of tape distribution and map distributions and things like that so that she can point out all of the reasons why she ended her life. It's sort of painting this really strange picture of a a sociopathic narcissist in my head that, like, she may not even be dead at all. She just wasn't getting sufficient attention or something to that effect and it's other people's fault and because her reputation suffered irreparable damage it's like her ego has been bruised so much so that it must lead to the suffering of other people and it's a really strange angle that I've taken and I know I said I wouldn't talk conspiracy theories but when I see the way that Hannah is around Justin I get the distinct impression that it is more important to her that she gets with him than anything else could possibly be in the world like this is like the most important thing to her and the reasons for that are not especially clear. Obviously, there's an attraction there. They did gaze at each other across a, a hedge or whatever. But it also seems as though it may be linked to her reputation and how far it might shoot her up in the popularity books or something like that. I'm not too sure. Um, but I'm just having a hard time buying into the fact that she was suicidal. And I get that it's a touchy subject and there are certain things you just are not allowed to say about someone's suicide but if hannah baker committed suicide because of the events that i saw in this episode the fact that she's so distinctly aware of what she was going through doesn't suggest to me that one of the things that led to her suicide was the fact that she had no one to talk to or she couldn't reconcile this feeling with any kind of logic Because she's went and made several cassette tapes and distributed these amongst her classmates. So it doesn't seem like it's this impulsive suicide decision. It's this huge, like, complex ordeal. And it's a project. And that's the bit that makes me feel really uneasy. Because it goes against what conventional wisdom and, to the best of my knowledge modern science says about the act of suicide typically so that's where i am with this episode and so yeah i don't know but i did definitely find it gripping enough to watch episode two and the characters don't really strike me as particularly memorable or unique but they do seem relatively convincing in their jobs like i think that they can all win me over i think the actors are all doing a really good job with the roles that they're given and i think A thing that helped me stay in touch with the show a little bit more is the parallel between Clay and Nancy from a much better show, Stranger Things, in the sense that they both appear to have terribly clueless parents and they're both being dragged out of their comfort zones into an adventure that no one around them can ever really understand. And they both appear to be achieving their first sense of purpose in life, albeit from horrible circumstances. So... 
I don't want to seem like too overly negative. I'm just trying to say that it didn't really grip me in the way that I had hoped. But I do definitely want to watch episode two. And I am definitely going to give that one a review as well. So I hope that you guys will tune in for that. So that's the end of the first episode. If you did like it, I would really appreciate it if you could share that like you know leave it a like on youtube or a like on soundcloud or give an itunes review or whatever um other than that you can check out the subreddit to discuss it even further and if you start watching the show as a result of me reviewing it i'd also like to know what you think i best sorry i guess the best place to do that would be on the subreddit which is reddit.com slash or slash midnight hour it'll be linked in the description no matter what platform you're listening on so that's the end of this mini sode i will catch you next time I've been El De Niro. Thanks for listening.